I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. We got special work to do here, you and me. We got to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. This is Very Unreasonable Things. I'm Billy Bone. I'm joined by Josh Lindsay. Howdy. Who's shaking his fucking head. No, there's not a lot of quotes to pull from this movie. Yeah. So I pulled one, and but you're shaking your head. But you don't. No. I, I was thinking while I was watching this movie, I was like, what could you pull? And... You could tell the listeners they're all your children now. Well, they already know that. Yeah, they do. They come in for a big embrace. Come in for the big hug. You know, the streets are talking. They're they're, they're calling you daddy. <laughs> and uh, with us is Daniel Sanders. Hey, Dirt Balls. Do a podcast. <laughs> oh, I got a note about that. Um, Jeez. So, yep. <laughs> Here we are. Hey, dirt uh, balls, get your dirty balls into that shower. <laughs> and let me watch them for you while I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Freddy's Revenge, though. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. With the, uh, I, I don't know what number this is in our little project we're doing. Um, but we're we're getting up there. We're getting into this. We're starting to get in deep into the sequel territory. Well, yeah, we are. And, you know. We finally got an episode. We're finally two episodes. No, 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 we're not. No. We still got to do uh, Chainsaw Texas. Part 2, and then we'll no. be at least two episodes in on, or two movies in on every franchise. But we, no. it took a while for us to finally get to the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and then we finally made yeah. it now. We're about to be now, knocking them out. Yeah, you're going to. And, and I don't really. And this is the 11th movie in this little shindig. How is it? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Daniel. And this isn't a little project, Bone. This is a big project. This is yeah, like thirty-four movies. Thirty. Oh yeah, we're one quarter through it. Oh, you get all the we're, stats. We're a quarter. We're a quarter of the way through it. Oh, okay. Well, it feels like we've done so many more. Uh, maybe. Maybe this is how I feel. Directed and produced by John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I know you. I'll I'll leave something out so you can correct me. That way you can feel good about yourself. I feel um, feel like I'm I'm not a part of that inside joke. You know, every time we do a John Carpenter movie, and I say uh, directed by, he'll say uh, written by. Also, no, um, <laughs> yeah, okay, well, now, look, yeah, the, the yes. Whenever we did Halloween one and two, I did it, and then whenever we did Halloween again, I did it, and when we did Halloween two. I just kept doing it. And then I started finding ways to say shit uh, in other movies. For the, oh, uh, those of you geez. that didn't notice that I was doing that. Like Johnny Depp. He said something to me about him, and I was like, introducing yeah. Johnny Depp. Yeah, he's always correcting me, like in the, in the little stab part. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and throw the information out so you can fucking get it out of your system, okay? A Nightmare on Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. 
came out November 1st, 1985. It's 87 minutes long, had a budget of $3 million, made a box office of $30 million, directed by Jake Shoulder. Jack. Jack. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I read that wrong. Jack Shoulder, starring Mark Patton, Kim Myers, Robert Russier, Russier, Clue Gulliger, Hope Lang, and Robert England. Yeah, R- R.I.P. Clue. Uh, what was it? Gulliger? He passed yeah. away in uh, August. I liked yeah. him so much, too. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, little- like Christopher Young. That's important. We'll get to that. Well, I I purposely left that one out because I thought maybe Daniel would want to throw in there. I mean, I'm just well, Daniel, just go ahead and say who wrote it here. because this is important too when you talk about this movie. That's uh, David Chaskin. David Chaskin, yeah. Because that's that's I'd already done my correction to, thing just to be funny. Yeah. Okay, that's only one one per episode. Well, right. but then I also uh, just threw out there by Clue. You know, that was a little interruption. Really fucked his flow up. So I, I still did that too. So we've we've talked about this before, but now that we're on back on, you know, Nightmare Part Two, we'll talk about it again. This for me was a hard movie to find. Like this is one of yeah. those ones that I uh, had a hard time finding at the video store. I remember seeing, you know, way before I ever got to watch it. I remember seeing a standee in the video store, advertising it. But this was like at the infancy of my horror movie watching, and and I don't remember where we were at at the time. But when it kind of finally got time to you know, try to chase it down and watch it, I watched this one out of sequence. I'd seen part one, part three, I think part four, maybe even part five before I saw Freddy's Revenge. Like I don't know about you guys, but for me, it was just a hard VHS to track down. Yeah, was, I remember it being uh, hard. And even now, like me trying to find streams, it's hard to find. Well, I... uh. I, th- I know I'd mentioned this prior, but like, I don't, I don't remember the first time I watched this one, but like, uh, back in like 88, when I was, uh, living right outside of Meridian, Mississippi, uh, we lived like, it was a, it was a train tracks, then a highway, then like a little convenience store in 88, you know, like we've discussed before that man, like any place would rent tapes if, there was a market for them and there was a market everywhere. And so we'd go across. So we'd go to this uh, little convenience store a lot. And I remember seeing, um, and I'd already seen the first one behind my dad's back. I remember seeing the box art for this one, that this video, this little, yeah, Bernie sent me an email. He's still mad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, he's all kinds of disappointed in me. I mean, the list is pretty long, but yeah. The beginning of the email did say, where do I start? Yeah. And it was, you know, he had like documents. It's an ongoing thread. So like when you see the email, it's like, are 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 disappointed in Josh? Yeah. Yeah. That Could you forward that to me? Uh, I can forward it to Daniel, but I, this is okay. not for your eyes. I'm sorry. This but is, have this you, is our disappointed in Josh stress? thread. Yeah, but aside from my dad's disappointment in me, um, have y'all seen? Do you all know what this uh, VHS box looks like? Yeah, it's with him. Um, it's yeah, in the mirror. He sees himself in the mirror. No, but he's got no, his that's arm the poster. Up. 
That's a poster. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of the wrong thing. I guess look, not. No, take a moment. Seriously, take a moment and look up this uh, VHS artwork. It oh, yeah, is make great the podcasts. creepiest looking thing. Yeah, who gives a shit? Y'all, y'all had an hour podcast. We're making up for it. Well, you got to talk about something, Josh. Something random. Okay, shit. yeah. So anyway, yeah. like, how like you this look, fucking vamp. yeah, vamp, yeah. But this stayed. Oh yeah, yeah, in yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, him I reaching remember. around like the blue. Yes, but his face. I mean, that is peak scary, Freddy Krueger. I Kruger. Do forget about that. Yeah. And so, like, I would always see this when I was like kindergarten, you know, six years old, and just almost too scared to even touch it because it just it gave me the you know the what do you call it the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah it was, yeah uh, it is a creepy image for sure it is so and you know we'll get into it, it is but. so out of like if you were to line all of these movies that we were doing up it would really be the one that would stand out to be like there's such a weird fucking box art you know which which makes sense. You're right. Yeah. Because well, the rest of them are, like are all dream based. Yeah. Yeah. But with other characters in it. Yeah. But that kind of makes sense, Daniel, too, because this is like the ugly stepchild of the series because there is no connective tissue yeah. whatsoever. You know, three connects back to one and then they go on from what there. What are you talking about? Well, they're in the same house. They're in the same house, but that's that's it. With know? a diary. Yeah. What's really, yeah, the diary, what's really... With no words written on it. Yeah, with no words written on it. That's the other thing. But um, also, they really wanted to go in a completely different direction with Freddy whenever they made this movie. They wanted to do something new, and they went really... Like you said, they barely had any connecting threads, mm-hmm. you know? So they wanted to do change it up, and when they realized, oh, shit, we changed it up, and then changed it in ways they didn't realize, quotation marks... Uh, they bring back what's Craven for three. And he's like, okay, here's how you do a Freddy sequel. And then it's like, okay, cool. Have a good time. We're going to continue doing them just like this, only progressively worse for the rest of the, uh, as as we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. They tried something different and didn't work out, but some things did work, you know? Yeah. And let me go ahead and just run these down. I just wrote down a couple of tidbits from the internet movie database. I'll just say them and we can talk about them if we feel like it. Um, I don't even know, you know, IMDb. I don't know if you can trust it, but uh, this is Robert England's least favorite nightmare movie. Uh, Jack Shoulder couldn't direct the pool house scene without laughing. So he had to get his first AD to do it, which is funny when you think about the scene. Uh, Europe loved this movie because of the sexual overtones. Brad Pitt, John Stamos, and Christian Slater auditioned for the role of Jesse. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Craven called the script substandard. Yeah, he Freddy, wasn't a fan. Yeah. He, he ain't a fan. Yeah. Anything that he doesn't do, he's not a fan. <laughs> but yeah, that's Craven. So he's like, he's, he's like, James hate Cameron. this podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Freddy is only on screen for 13 minutes of the 87-minute runtime. Well, that's probably why Robert England hates it, because he doesn't get to cut up and act stupid. You know what? If you, if you would have had me guess, I wouldn't have even said 13 minutes. 
Yeah, he's not in it a lot. Uh-uh. And the last one is people, fans, uh, dislike the pool scene. Which I think is one of the highlights of the movie, me personally. But we'll yeah, get into you it. You get several what? kills. You get, se- you get several maimings. And you get a little bit of action. Well, you don't actually get several kills. You get like two kills. There's, there's only like well, four people that die in this movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. You get half of your kills from it. So that's silver for four. If it would have been one and there was only another one kill, it's half. I wouldn't have said several for one. Um, Several, couple, my bad. But IMDb has the body count at 10. Oh, it's only talking about um, the the snapped necks from the uh, extras whenever they hit that fucking bumps in that bus. They count. No, the snapped neck at the pool scene. One dude is just getting his fucking head trampled on. on. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's that one guy. There. I was talking about. Could you imagine how fucking insane that bus ride would be once they started hitting them bumps? Regular bumps be flinging your ass around a school bus. I couldn't imagine what that was like. Seatbelts be damned. Yeah. yeah, no, that that is like funny that like the big put unless they've started putting them in school buses, which I don't know about. I don't think they have, but I don't know shit about school buses anymore. It's like My yeah, you don't, years need, old. you don't need a uh, fucking. Seat belts for the kids in the bus. Yeah, they probably have US. If you've ever ridden a school bus down like a dirt road, yeah, you get bounced around. But well, let's talk about Robert England and not liking the movie. I mean, that's that's got to be purely because he's not in it that much, and plus, he doesn't do a lot of talking when he is in it. Yeah. No, and that could have been. He has been on record saying that he was. uh, Sometimes it didn't feel like it clicked. And they could see that something was wrong whenever they were filming it. So I could see that that would be part of the reason why I didn't like it. Or it was his least favorite. Apparently, this was a rush job, as you can imagine. You know, oh, yeah. it's like a Scream, Scream 2 situation that comes out the next year. And, yeah. like, um, Robert Shea was very hands-on, like, during the making of this movie. Like, and sort of micromanaging everything. So I'm sure, like... It fucking sucked to to be working on it because you know you're on a deadline, yeah. time constraints, budget, and yeah. Well, okay, then let's uh let's talk about Wes Craven not liking the script. Like I said, and you can't spoke over me, but it seems very James Cameron to me. Like when you said if it's not something he did, like the way he always talks about like the Terminator movies. Mm-hmm. Like every time there's a new Terminator, he talks about oh, like how this is the best one since the one he done and what was wrong with all the other ones until yeah. people don't like it and then he turns against it and he's like, Oh well, you know. And I've I've went on record with my thoughts about like, like I've seen some interviews with Wes Craven and he seems like or he seemed like that type of person. Um or he did it, you know, like you said. It was good, but if it was something else that somebody else tried, you know, then it it wasn't good. And he kind of had that uh, he, he put off that air of like my shit doesn't stink. Yeah, yeah. I think he I think he resented that he became a horror guy too. I think he always thought he was. And he did some good that. movies, but he did some clunkers. Oh, he did. You could argue he did more clunkers than he did good. So this, I, it always kind of bugs me though when you see other filmmakers just kind of shit on what somebody else did. Like, there's movies that that are truly horrible, and you can just be like, "Oh, 
yeah, that was that was bad. But for me, this movie isn't it. Like, well, I'll tell you what, like Craven dunking on this movie. It's funny though because his next movie after Nightmare was like a TV made for TV movie. I think it was probably just quick turnaround. Um just to keep working. But his next theatrical released movie, which is funny because I just watched it New Year's Eve. Cause I spend my New Year's Eve, you know, uh I spend my time wisely. It was Deadly Friend. I have never heard of that. <clears throat> never heard of that either. Yeah. Watch it. And jog the fuck on Wes Craven with that bullshit. <laughs> because <laughs> That movie, it's it's about a dude who uh, befriends his next door neighbor, and he's like a brilliant young genius who's at like Caltech or Cal Poly, and the girl's dad kills her. So he basically turns her into a robot. Oh, long story short. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that was a twist. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Hmm. But yeah, R.I.P. to Craven. Yeah. I'm just right. saying. Well, let's uh, I guess let's let's talk about Freddy's Revenge. So Daniel alluded to it. The movie starts off and we're on a school bus, and like yeah. this is. You know, it's presented as like being like just a regular trip to school and we don't know it's a dream at first. But man, the way that they got Jesse portrayed in here, like he's got his hair fucking. Dude, it's terrible. Yeah. And I guess maybe this is how he sees himself. I wrote that in my notes. This seems like an anxiety dream. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever had an anxiety dream, it's the worst. Because he's got a sh- his hair, like you were about to say, bone his hair was shit. Like it just seemed like he was uncomfortable in his clothes. Yeah, he was just sitting and, there all balled up. And everybody's talking about him on the bus. Yeah, like the, the two girls. Well, I say everybody, but the two girls that end up being on the bus with him at the end are talking about him. Like, and yeah. if you watch it with subtitles on, you can see what they're saying because they're whispering, you know. But yeah, he like this is how he sees himself, I guess, and he's like this this outcast and. They're riding along, and then we get the bumpy-ass bus ride, which, once again, if you've lived in a rural area or just an area with bad streets, you know those bus drivers don't give a fuck. Because like Daniel said, they got a seatbelt. You don't get oh, ready. Yeah. About to hit your head exactly. on the fucking ceiling. Well, their seats probably have shocks underneath them, too. Yeah. Probably. And, you know, this is we what- We get a little uh, Robert England as the Spring, driver. Springwood. Where's Springwood at in the movie? Ohio. Ohio, yeah. So, Springwood, Ohio- the vast desert of yeah, no, Ohio. Right. It is well, also though. at the school. They also have like outside lockers, which was filmed at the same high school Karate Kid took place in. So, ah, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. So there you go. Who knew? Who knew that Springwood, Ohio, was just a couple steps from the All Valley Under Eighteen tournament? No, oh, I, right. I think I think in our. Uh, Rough draft episode, me and you, Bone, when we covered the first three, I think I'd mentioned, like, because in the first one, you see, like, palm trees, because they're not even trying to hide the fact. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, wow, I want to visit Ohio, man. It looks fucking beautiful. The the sandy beaches of Ohio. But, yeah, you get get Robert England 
Yeah. He's driving the bus. And then you get the most glorious scream you'll ever hear. Yeah. When Jesse wakes up from his his nightmare and his sister's like asking her parents, like, why can't Jesse just wake up like the rest of us? Yeah. Well, I I do like the model work too, though. Yeah. That we miss, you know, like the bus hanging on the. Well, no, it all looks good. But it's so funny because whenever Freddie's coming back towards them, because obviously the driver turns into Freddie and he starts working his way back towards them. Dude, Jesse's doing whatever he has to to stay behind these two women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, kill them first. Fuck that. No, it's so I did, funny. I did notice that too. And it's, um, and he wakes up, but he wakes up, like I said, with that loud, like a glorious oh, screen, scream. And he's fucking sweating because his house has no working AC, apparently. I mean, like, it's an ongoing thing throughout the movie. But, dude, it looks like the sweatiest fucking movie you'll ever watch. It it looks like they filmed this in Mississippi with no working air conditioner. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's soaking wet. Yeah. Yeah. He wakes up and then the dad's just like, oh, there's nothing wrong with the air. It just needs a shot of Freon. Yeah, like, dude, it is obviously something hot in that fucking house. He's like, I don't care how miserable you are trying to sleep. Unpack your room. Yeah, right. Why is his dad? So, I don't his get that. His dad has such a hard on for his. And I mean, first off, we're all three dads here. Yeah. Uh, I kind of get it because Jesse, you literally just have four boxes. Yeah. I you mean, and then you just room, dump dude. the shit in a drawer. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Come on, lay off him about unpacking his. But it, it is funny though because everything else in the house looks like they've been there for a minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But Jesse turns out so they've maybe. been there three months. No, it turns out they've been there a year. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's supposed to. I'm assuming he's supposed to be like the new kid in school too, right? Well, that's what I would think because they're living in that house, you know. But he's already like made friends. With the rich girl who uses him as a ride to school. Yeah. It seems like she'd have her own car. Hell, maybe not- he has been there five years. The the fucking house. Um, the, yeah, this the, movie takes place in 1989. Five years. Yeah, five years later, right? Yeah. So maybe he did. they did move in immediately. Like, <laughs> That's why he's so pissed. Car the deadly dinosaur. Uh, yeah. It's funny how like the rich girl shows up at his house. And they take his piece of shit ride, knowing she's driving like a fucking Benz or something. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, she should have her own car, like a nice car, instead of this car that, uh, like, if it rains, I guess you don't, you're fucked because he never shows it if the the convertible top works. Yeah. His seats are ragged as hell. You know it don't rain in southern Ohio? Ohio? Yeah, no rain in Ohio. You're right. You know, there's an Albert Hammond song uh, from the 70s that's called It Doesn't Rain in Southern California. So yeah, he doesn't have to worry about it. But he's he he sees himself as outcast, but he's already made friends, and apparently she's yeah. attracted to him too. With like the hot rich girl, like this guy could be doing worse. Yeah, like this I know is- he sees himself one way, but he could be doing much worse. Yeah, do you think it's just the new 
oh, he's a new kid in school kind of buzz. And once that new car smell wears off of him, do you think she would like move up? Well, they fell in love. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we'll get to that because that there's a lot to unpack there, you know? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, cause I don't fair or not. I don't think if you're like a poor kid and you go to a new school like that, that you have like that new car smell. No, not yeah. if you're poor. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, they shouldn't. Well, no, they did say they got a great deal in that house. She's, well, come no, on, she, Cheryl. <laughs> no, no, she's the uh, oddity. She She's the odd man out because Grady's like the rich girl. You know what I'm saying? He, he refers to her as the rich chick, rich chick or whatever. So she's the uh, the rare thing. They're all poor. They're all <laughs> lower middle class. Yeah. All these two-story houses. Yeah. Lower middle class for California, man. It's a... Uh, oh, my bad. Ohio, Southern Ohio. Ohio. It's that yeah. Simpsons mentality. You know, they're supposed to be poor, but they got a two-story house. Same thing with married with children. Yeah, exactly. A shoe salesman's salary. Yeah. What school yeah. has archery? I don't know. I don't know. I ought to ask Courtney if they had archery in Portland. <laughs> It seems dangerous. Yeah, it does, it doesn't dangerous. it? They got a, Oh man, you want to hear a story about stupidity? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Always. Always. So me and my best friend in high school, uh, Thomas, won't use last names here. I'm not trying to sell anybody out. But we had this bright idea one time. We had one of those, you know, those little like uh red bow and arrow sets you could get from a Walmart or whatever. From the sporting goods store, it was like yeah. you know, twenty bucks or something like that, and they had little dull tipped arrows, and you, it was like your first archery set or whatever. We had one of those, and we had this bright idea that we were wanting to do like action scenes, so we'd shoot the arrow at each other, and then we'd try to dodge it at the last second. Oh my so, god, dude! One of <laughs> one of the feathers on one of the arrows got ripped off. And you know we didn't think anything about it. We're like, oh, it doesn't affect that much. It affects the trajectory of that arrow. So I pull back and I shoot. Thomas waits until the last second to jump and dodge. And when he does, the arrow curves and hits him in the fucking knee. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> it's a dull tip. It's a dull metal tip. So you shot him in the knee. I did. He took an arrow in the knee. Yeah, it's just like the. He's like legitimately a Skyrim guard now. He used yeah. to be an adventurer yeah. like you till I took an arrow in the knee. But then, like, we didn't learn our fucking lesson. So then we're like, let's one of us lay on the ground flat on our back, and the other one shoot the arrow straight up in the air and roll out of the way when it comes down. Oh my God. Thankfully, thankfully, we didn't have any mishaps there, and we finally came to our senses. <laughs> I was hoping Finally, he was going to say, thankfully, his mom said, hey, I'm the mac and cheese is ready. The end of the story is like Thomas Jice has a glass eyeball. Yeah. Well, that would put his last name out there. Oh. We're yeah, trying to protect all that. parties. Yeah. Well. But God, yeah. To be young, dumb, and full of cum, man. Oh, man. It was. Yeah, we're we're lucky that nobody was seriously hurt. <laughs> Because you know I'd that that so. fucking that arrow, even without like a sharp tip, when it's coming down from the sky, 
is going to puncture something oh, yeah. if it hits you in the right spot. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking we, of sharp tips. Idiots. It's funny because when this little girl is uh, back to the movie, whenever this little girl is uh, digging through these fucking sh- uh, the cereal box to look for the fingertips. Yeah. In the food man chews. Because yeah. I saw it, I was like, what was the name of those that cereal? So I fucking yep. like rewound it and wrote it down. But Fu Manchu's, and it was his fucking fingernails. And it's so funny how, like, he sees it and it freaks him out because it reminds him of Freddy's glove. But it's just like the little things that they put in there is just funny. This movie's littered with that kind of shit, man. Yeah. To remind like, him. Well, yeah. And just, you know, we'll eventually get to it. But like the. I don't even want to call them undertones, the gay tones. Yeah. It's throughout this movie. I mean, it's it, it's almost like a Where's Waldo when you watch it. You <laughs> Where's know? Waldo? Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Just so- the way that they worded things when they wrote this, the, the way this thing was written, you know, uh, and it's like some of these, some of the quotes don't even make sense, but only for the gay tones. Well, I mean, David Chaskin, like um, him and Grady, they get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, at school. Well, hold on. Before you know, we get you're, you're jumping ahead. I'm going to do you like you do me now. Well, oh, it feels, it feels good. No, well, I was going to say something, though, before we get into the part about them fighting. Yeah. Because um, you're actually, it's right there with it, but they're in PE, right? Yeah. That's what we're leading this to believe is they're, they're in PE. These, these aren't like organized team sports. They're not trying out for the slow pitch softball. But that coach is getting mad, unreasonably yeah. mad. Yeah. About a fucking just pickup game of softball. Yeah, Schneider losing his fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not one scene of Schneider being any sort of gentle character. I mean. I'm just, all I was saying was like, you know, I'd get it if this was like the varsity team or something. These dudes are just playing fucking softball at recess. Yeah. And Schneider's losing his shit about it. But yeah, and they have a fucking um Grady and uh Jesse have a Jesse. fight. Yeah. yeah. It's then, so funny because it's like but he gets mad because Grady pants his pants Jesse. And it's funny because he obviously gets mad, they have their little scuffle, but then he goes and tackles him. While his ass and shit is out, like while yeah. his pants are down, and he tackles him to roll around. Who the yeah. fuck does that? I mean, that's it's so just, crazy. Well, apparently they, 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 they He didn't bother to put on any like fucking underwear at all. Like no, it was just, just like the, jock, just jock. Yeah. yeah, that might be the reason why you have a jock itch, player. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. And then we um, get our first uh, dirt balls quote. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, dirt balls, assume the position. It's like <laughs> there's certain quotes in this movie that's like, was this written by an AI? Because yeah. then they then like assume the positions, dirt balls. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing these push ups, and Grady's like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, you're with the, the rich girl. And then uh, Grady's like, are you mounting her nightly? Yeah, no. That's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. that's almost what? the quote I went with. The openness. What teenager yeah. talk likes that? Are you mounting yeah. her nightly? Mounting her. <laughs> mounting her nightly. Oh man. And dirt ball. Like 
like Daniel said, like, cause right underneath that in my, in my notes, it's like, I get dirt bag. Yeah. You know, we've all heard dirt ball. Yeah. yeah and he says it again. He keeps calling him that no, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the showers, dirt ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what's it done with the push-ups? It's like, okay. Hit the showers. Uh, those were the balls. worst push-ups I did ever. Yeah, no, they were struggling. Yeah, you're led to they believe they've the done 80s. like a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. But it is so funny because the Grady relationship with Jesse is uh, so confusing at first because it's like, okay, he's like, huh, he, 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 like, kind of like, he, he's with him and they're playing their game, but like, you know, they're playing the softball and then it's like, he does some shit. They get into the scuffle. He tackles them and now they're doing their push ups. And it's like, Jesse hates Grady. Like, cause Grady's like a bully type to him. Yeah. But Grady's like still like friendly with him and it's like, talking to him and engaging in conversation. So it's a weird dynamic that's confusing at first when you're looking at their friendship. Well, I think that you know? would go back to being Jesse being the new kid and, you know, the people that are there, the existing people are kind of having this yeah. feeling out process, you know, so Grady pants and they have a little roll around fight. And then now Grady's yeah. like, okay, you know, he stood up to me. He's okay. This, you know, now yeah, I'm going to talk so. to him and start making friends with him. That's probably you know, what it you is. know how it is. That sounds like, about right. If you're, I mean, you haven't been a new kid in a lot of situations. You know, there's times where people don't want to like. Nobody wants to be that first person to be friends with you, and then, and then somebody's going to test you, and you got to like, I guess, sort of prove your worth. Yeah, they're going to make a decision like, okay, this is somebody we can talk to, or this is somebody that we just pick on constantly. And so I kind of think maybe that was what that was. Yeah, probably so. So Jesse passed the test, you know, Jesse passed the test when he got his pants pulled down. All he was wearing was a jock. And then Gray's like, this guy's cool. Yeah. I've never been in that situation ever. So I didn't think of looking at that in those, you know, through those lenses or whatever. Yeah. But for me, you know, it wasn't very obvious. It was like, are they fucking friends or are they not? You know? Yeah. No, you got a very good point there. Yeah. They become friends. And they become friends through hatred of the coach. Yeah, it's sort of like a contentious friendship, which who uh the coach who seems to have like coaching powers no matter where he's at. Yeah, but we'll like get to that. Never, yeah, he never he never stops that shit. But we, hold um, on. so hold on, did we just learn about the history of the house during the push ups? Uh did yeah, that's when he the, uh, the, yeah, he tells him like uh, you're living at house, you know, where uh, the girl she yeah. was uh, she went lost her mind and she watched her boyfriend get butchered across the street. Yeah, and then the mom yeah. was killed in the living room or whatnot. Well, I think they said committed suicide, right? Or committed yeah. suicide in the living room. Yeah, yeah. Jumped through the door window or something. Got her cut her throat. Shit. Probably set herself on fire, drunk with a lit cigarette. Right, you get um, you get like uh, another appearance of Freddy though, because he goes uh, that night in this fucking sweltering ass house. Yeah, which this movie does a lot. It flip flops a lot. It'll be like a day scene, night scene, day scene, night scene. Yeah, they do that a lot. But Jesse has a dream, and he ends up going down to the the basement and finds the glove. Yeah, comes up and he sees Freddy, and this is when one of the other memorable quotes, and this is. To me, the most memorable quote in the movie, but I didn't 
obviously didn't use it because it was the most memorable. Well, he is right after he tells him, like, we've got special work to do, you and I, or you and me. And he's like, you've got the body and I've got the brains. And I always like yeah. this scene. It just the special effects on this scene are so fucking good. Yeah. When he I pulls the skin back on his head and you can see his brain pulsing. Yeah. Man, that shit's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like pulled the top layer of skin off his shit to expose his brain. I like that a lot. I'm just gonna go back just a little bit. Sure. Uh when he wakes up, <clears throat> he wakes up sweaty and he goes down to the kitchen. And obviously, it's a movie. Somebody barely, barely put orange juice in the fridge. Oh, yeah. I mean, made zero attempt to make sure it was there. Because once he opens it, it falls down. And then he looks out the window. Because to me, this little montage, montage, it's not a montage. The scene is uh, one of my favorites probably in the franchise. I mean... The first three movies have a lot of pretty uh, gnarly scenes, but this one's up there because he looks out the window and you barely see Freddy right outside yeah. the bushes. And then Freddy barely moves. And so then Jesse walks outside and then he looks down at the little basement window and he sees Freddy putting something into the boiler. And yeah. it, and it's never utilized that much in horror movies. And I don't know why, because to me, it is so effective when someone sees the monster, but the monster doesn't see them. Yeah. yeah. And then he, he goes inside and he opens up the basement door and then you see the shadow of Freddy. Now, the first time I saw this, that scared the shit out of me because you don't need to see Freddy in that. You just see the, the shadow of Freddy and the threat. Yeah. And like you said, he closes it and then there's Freddy. And, um, I, you know, they talked about this in the documentary, uh, Mark Patton's documentary, because uh, Robert England had known sort of about these undertones in the script. Certain people say they knew it, certain people say they didn't, but Robert England knew it and he wanted to play up to it because he's a Shakespearean trained actor. He's like, let's, let's go with this. Yeah. And Robert England tells Mark Patton's character, he's like, well, when I'm caressing your face, I'm going to stick my blade in your mouth. And one of the makeup guys overheard that conversation and just runs up. He's like, stop, stop, stop. Mark, Mark needs makeup applied to him right now. And he told Mark, he's like, don't you let him do that. He's like, if you let him do that, it's going to make, make it look like you're sucking him off. Yeah. So obviously they didn't do. He he told Robert, you know, obviously he didn't want to do that. But man, there is. Um, if you didn't catch it before, it is there right now, of these undertones. Yeah, right there. Once he says it, you've got the body, I've got the brain, and yeah, it's great makeup work. And and you know, while we're there, let's go ahead and give a shout out to Kevin Yeager because this is. My favorite Freddy look of the entire franchise. The witch look? The witch look. It's so good. So good. But yeah, continue. Sorry. No, that's fine. That's what, I mean, that's no, what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. But they did right. change his eyes up and his eyes looked really gnarly for this one. They're more demonic. Yeah. More dean, uh, the dream demon eyes, and, you know? And, 
And like you said, the witch with the hooked nose and just. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good look. After that, we get, isn't it where um, uh, Lisa calls Jesse and, and like invites him to come over? No, no. This the next scene is uh, Jesse's in class, and they're talking about animal (laughs) AMP. Oh yeah, yeah, with the heart, and which they throw on the table, and I had to like watch it again to see if it looked like a heart or not. It looks like a liver, like a liver or a big fucking yeah. yeah. But they they weren't talking about human anatomy. That was animals. No, they were talking about animals, but still, there's certain like you still look for like the the chambers, like yeah. Yeah, because it's a pump. Yeah, this is a well. This is to go back to what Daniel was saying. Like, like this is a, and you can see that like we're Jesse and and um, oh my god, what was Grady? Grady are starting to become friends because you know Grady's fucking laughing at him while you know he's having this nightmare again, and yeah, Jesse gives him this little shitty grin, flipping him off. Fuck you, and smiling and shit. Yeah, which was very flirty. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because it's like, like uh, he's like, I'm going to play a trick on this guy. A prank called, I'm going to choke you out with a snake while you're asleep. <laughs> that is insane to me. Wait, was, that, a, was, that, was that Grady's yeah. trick? I don't know. You never no, see it, but that snake had to get out somehow. put snake on him, and it had to have been Grady because no, Grady every, was watching him. Yeah. Everybody's pretty chill about a loose snake. Yeah, no, yeah. Grady got that snake Everybody. and put it on. Because you yeah. think you think okay. the snake is a part of the nightmare. Yeah, and, but and then, then he wakes real. up and he's like, "No!" And she, the teacher gets mad at him for playing with the fucking snake. Yeah, and he's like, exactly. "Yeah, this was my this is what I do for fun. I let these snakes constrict my fucking throat." Oh. What the fuck did that teacher say to him? If you want to play uh, with snakes, join the circus. That's it. <laughs> or play with that's animals, it. join the circus. Yeah, join the circus. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it's pretty fucked up. It's like, damn, teacher, you're not worried about your student, you know, possibly dying over here. Especially, or maybe, especially considering this has to be the same high school as the first one, right? You would think. Yeah, yeah. Springwood can't be that fucking big. So yeah, you just like five years ago, you had a bunch of students die. Yeah, yeah I know. Maybe I think we should be more on the lookout. Around the size of Los Angeles, I think. Pretty big. Yeah. Regardless, the big. house would be in the same school district. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got to be the same fucking school. Same house, same school, yeah. And it's so funny because, like, talking about the school and the, uh, uh, like, you know, the the uh, students and all that, you know, we, we talked about it before, the rich kid, like, Lisa's rich or whatever. It's already been brought up a couple times. But it's so funny how they straight up put a scene in this movie that is just to be like, see, we told you she's rich. You know what I mean? Because the following scene after the snake scene is her swimming in her pool. And her mom's like, the, gets the phone call. Hey, your phone's ringing for you. He's And it's Jesse. He's, she's supposed to go see him. She says one of the funniest lines. Because she's swimming in her pool, right? She's doing her laps like Rich yeah. would do. And her phone's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Lisa, right? Yeah, Lisa. She says, like, Lisa, there's a Jesse on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, a Jesse on the phone. Like, <laughs> like she's her fucking secretary. <laughs> well, no, not. Hey, there's someone named Jesse on the phone for you, or there's a guy named Jesse for you. There's a Jesse on the phone. Makes it yeah. seem like uh, Lisa. There's something gross on the phone. It's a Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, look, there's a Jesse on the phone. I can't tell if it's a dude or a chick. So 
I'm not going to put screaming. a label. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a Jesse on the phone. It's nothing, nothing but screaming. You need to quit your laps and go find out what's going on with that. <laughs> Ew, gross. Get this Jesse off the phone. Uh, yeah. It just uh, sounds funny. Oh, oh, he called her. Yeah, That's he calls right. her. Yeah, he called her. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then, and then she he, shows up to. Well, he was going to go over there, but then his dad stopped him, and he's like, "No, son, I've told you about this bedroom, and this is the last time. God damn it, get up there and finish unpacking." Jesse, well, yeah. we've lived here three years, son. <laughs> it's time so to get these final time. four boxes done. Exactly. Have then some goes, fun doing it, if you will. Yeah. That's what gets gives Jesse the inspiration to do it. He can have some fun. It's like Josh had said earlier, man. He's just fucking dumping shit into his drawers. Yeah. Like an like, asshole. Like, you know, you're going to be looking for something later, and you're not going to know where it's at because you've just fucking asked out on this while you're doing your fucking unpacking. Exactly. And then, like, like most fucking teenage boys, you know, he uh, starts dancing and dry hump in the air and straight up um twerking up against this fucking dresser drawer oh yeah i don't even know if twerking was a thing back then was it jesse might have invented that i know right it's so funny these girls are like you know what i want to do i want to do some type of move like remember that freddie movie (laughs) the guy was booty bumping his dresser that's what i'm trying to do just to dudes It's so funny because Jesse has like these, like this type of radio that you would see your grandparents have that's mainly for AM, FM. Yeah. You know, with just the the two baby speakers. And he puts, you know, this one as a tape player as well. So he puts it in and that's what he starts dancing to. And, you know, if you've never seen this dance, you have to look it up because it, it's, well, Infamous or famous. Fucking cinema history. Yeah. Yeah. But his mom opens the door and she's covering her ears like he's got a sound system and he's playing Ride the Lightning. She's like, <laughs> ah! Yeah. <laughs> Turn that music down. <laughs> it's so it's funny because when you said something about him dumping his shit in a drawer, the, what he says is so funny there. He's like, what is it? How do you like that, Dad? Is that what he said? Something like <laughs> yes. that? Yes. And it's so funny because it's like, he likes it a lot. You're finally unpacking your room, you little bastard. <laughs> like you said, we're dads now. So it's like, God damn it, we've been here long enough. Unpack your shit. It took you two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, if you right? If you walked in on Hayden or Luke unpacking that way, <laughs> booty bumping the drawer. <laughs> What would you do? I'd be like, thank God, it's about fucking time you get this goddamn room unpacked. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how you have to do it. Oh, man. But then, like... We sit there and make fun of it, though, but that's uh, that's how my daughter used to put her shit up when she was... Well, of course, she wasn't a teenager at the time. Yeah, Everything was just going in one fucking drawer. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't mean, like, the... the the dancing. I just talked about like dumping oh, everything into one drawer. The, shades, the gold glitter shades. No, we couldn't find them. We looked. Um, they were in the box that she was unpacking. Yeah, I just got dumped in the fucking drawer. Yeah. <laughs> on the very pants that I was intending on returning. <laughs> no, I own that story now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if, you know, again, like that's this, true. That. <laughs> It's an aspa 
uh, movie. So uh, when he's, you know, putting stuff in the closet, like there's a board game called Probe. Yeah, when she gets there and is helping him and shit. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's when it's she so finds the diary that uh, Paul yeah. was talking about. And the jock itch. Yeah, the um, jock itch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus but the goddamn she, underwear. She, she comes in and she's like, well, I can help you. It's like, well, he's almost done now, whatever. Uh, and it's so funny because they start unpacking. And she's like, and I don't know if y'all noticed this. She, she's like, do sweaters go in the closet? And he looks at her and he's shrugs like, his shoulders yeah. like he's never heard of sweaters or a closet. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know how they got in here. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I live in Southern Ohio. I, all I know, Lisa, is I'm running out of drawers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of panicking here. <laughs> I'll just say random shit about sweaters going in closets. I need help. Yeah. And, and, like, and there's man, a sign on the store that says no out-of-town chicks. There's so much the stuff in this movie. What does that even mean? No out-of-town chicks. <laughs> no out-of-town chicks. Oh, man. Homegrown. I don't know what that means me. on either. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what <laughs> we, that means on either side of the fence. They they find a diary like Daniel was talking about, and, and Josh keeps talking about I spy moments. And for me, this is just one of those high definition moments. When they're reading it, you can see very clearly that there's no fucking words on the paper. You think that they would? It's just such a small thing, but it bugs me. It's like you could have just scribbled yeah. something. You could have scribbled a fucking recipe for meatloaf or something on there. And nobody the didn't know. The could have wrote the fucking goddamn script in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least for like four or five pages, you know? Don't read what's on Just look at it and say your lines, you know? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. I don't know. That's just, that's just one of my peculiarities. That just bugged me. I don't know about yeah, you I guys, but I'm just like. Things that bug me like that. Uh, movies. Well, can we first admit that they've been living there for four and a half years. And just now finding And he diary. never saw the. Well, I mean, have you not opened up your closet once? Well, obviously, he young hasn't. man. We <laughs> he see him dumping all his shit in drawers. <laughs> and why was that left there? He I mean, probably it's a cheap screenwriting move, you know. Well, I, well, have you ever moved in a house and found something that was left? I've never moved once. Yeah, well, I mean, when we were younger, we moved a lot, and you yeah. know, I want to say we've come into a place where you'd find something that was left behind by by somebody. like a journal. Well, I mean, it was up on a shelf that was tall, and if your real estate agent's short, they may not have saw it. Or a board game named Probe where all the pieces smell like shit. Smells <laughs> 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 like ass. I imagine I playing. the way Jesse had his room, though. I imagine it like he just picks his clothes up out of a fucking pile on the floor. Like, yeah. okay, this is the clean pile. This is the dirty pile. Yeah, yeah like you don't live like that now. Man, uh, my laundry. Sometimes you just don't feel like uh, you know folding laundry. Hey, uh, you got that right. Life. It's your God-given right to not fold oh, laundry. Look, I, I hate folding so much, man. That I, I hang everything now, like my undershirts. You used to fold them, but now I'm just like putting them on hangers. I'm like no, my boxers they go on hangers. Not socks. I was. How's what? <laughs> what do you do with your socks, bud? <laughs> um, now I gotta know. Like little clothespins on top of uh, going through hangers, you know, just, everything just hangs. There you go. No, I, we, mean, uh, I don't like folding clothes, though. I like I folding towels. Like folding clothes. But in a podcast, fucking, we can do everything with a podcast, man. It makes it so much easier. But we, uh, we're friends with, uh, 
you know, one of like a one of our friends, she was working at a uh, like a kind of expensive clothing store here in Stockholm. Are and these she, really your friends or are these Anna Lil's friends? Well, they're Anna Lil's friends. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she told us one day, like, there was this young guy who I guess had a pretty good paying job. And, like, he would come in and buy clothes just because his clothes were dirty. <laughs> and he didn't feel like washing them. Fuck. Damn. That's he crazy. like that. No. It's weird. Not me, buddy. Once, that's it. Once that, <laughs> once that dirty pile starts to sink, it all, it all has to go. <laughs> <laughs> he looks you can recycle shit clothes. through it for a couple of days, you know? I'm not going to lie. it really starts getting the smell to it. I had thought about out. it at one point when I was a younger adult of just doing socks that way. You know, yeah. before, you know, when you don't have quite all the bills that a full grown adult has, you know, you, you've moved out, you got a roommate, so you're not taking on all the bills yourself. You, you got like this expendable income because you haven't, you're still driving some used piece of shit car and whatever life just hasn't hit you with everything else. And I briefly flirted with the idea of like, okay, I'll just buy a pack of socks on this paycheck. And then next paycheck, I'll buy some more socks and throw these away. Always have fresh socks. Yeah. Oh, fresh yeah. socks feel amazing too. For 10 days. But then I've came to my senses and like, this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Not like my, my, my ingenious idea of shooting a bow and arrow at my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it probably took it probably took me longer to figure out that that was dumb as it did um, longer than it did for me to figure out the sock thing was not a good idea. Yeah, I'd like to think that that guy who buys clothes when his clothes gets dirty, he just looks at the pile of dirty clothes in his room, and he has like the Jesse shrug, like I don't know what to do. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Jesse scream. Yeah. <laughs> Just goes and sees the big massive pile of laundry and scream bloody murder. Oh Damn. man! Which we're hey, hey, speaking of screams, we're actually coming up on another one of the i because there's his screams are iconic, you know, for this movie. If you were to go through a scream uh, montage, he'd have like five of them motherfuckers right back to back to back. Yeah. While you're if you were going in order, you know, but this is the one. Because uh, after they talk about the diary and discuss it, what's in the diary is that, you know, Fred's after her and all this shit, whatever. And they make connections and he's like, holy shit, this might be the same thing that I've been looking at. But the next night he has a sleepwalking episode where he goes down to look in the furnace to where he went and saw Freddy put his shit before. Well, when he puts that glove on, he screams like crazy. Isn't that the yeah. scene that I'm thinking of where he looks at it? And he just screams because Freddie's like, put it on. See how it fits. Yeah, try it on for size. Yeah. Slide your hand inside. See, try it on for size. Don't be shy. Yeah, he um that and um they have the scene with the bird. That's before the coach is killed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's like the next morning or some shit, right? What always got me about that scene? And and I can't remember if me and you talked about it on the uh, the first time we discussed this movie, Josh. But you know, once again, the, the fucking house is looking hot as hell. Everybody yeah. is sitting around sweating. And the dad, you know, he's been he's just been avoiding like having professionals come out and look at this shit. And he's like, "Well, let me check the thermostat." Thermostat. And he gets up and he's like, 
it's 97 degrees in here. <laughs> and he takes the thermostat yeah. apart like he doesn't fucking believe it. Yeah. But uh, they, you know, Jesse goes to say something and the daughter's like, shh, the birds are sleeping. Uh, the birds are in the fucking living room where people gather. Yeah, Tough the shit if they're trying to sleep. There? Yeah. yeah. But then the, the cage starts shaking because his house is, you know, the fucking surface temperature of the sun. Yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> and he let the, the bird out. Well, they open it up. One of the birds, I think, catches on fire Fuck right yeah. away. And then the other one gets out. And it's flying around. It attacks the dad. They're fucking trying to hit it with a broom. And then finally the bird blows up. And and we could talk about some more, but um, the thing that always stood out to me was Jesse's dad accuses him of sabotaging the bird. He's like, he did it with a, I know what he did. He used a cherry bomb. No, at, at first, he blames the mother. He's like, it's all that cheap bird seed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. But it's so funny because this movie isn't <clears throat> filmed um, competently, really. I just want to know how, how would he sabotage that bird, Josh, with that cherry bomb? <laughs> he probed it. I mean, yeah. But yeah, not filmed competently. Yeah, so when the bird explodes, you, the scene holds on Jesse and his dad, and you just see feathers. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like a, it's a comedy. cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so the next morning, um, I think that's when his parents, when the mom found, finds out, right? The reason why they got a great deal on the house, right? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. I think it's he during confronts all him about it. He's shit. like, "Yeah, did you know about this, Dad?" And um, he's like, "Well, um." And then Jesse goes through the whole thing, and the daughter's like, "I'm getting scared." Yeah. And he's like, well, "Why do you think we got such a great deal?" Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is the scene where he, she thinks he should. See, his mom thinks he should see like a psychiatrist. And his dad thinks he's on drugs. Yes. And in this scene, Jesse's mom literally refers to Jesse as that boy. <laughs> <laughs> like you mean your son? <laughs> yeah, she she tells she tells that the dad. Yeah, yeah, she tells the dad that he needs uh psychiatrist needs to see a psychiatrist. And he's like, no, nah, what he needs is a swift kick in the ass. <laughs> and that's yeah, exactly. that's some good old fucking eighties dad mentality. That, Seriously, that might be the most professional. That might be the most accurate thing in this movie. Yeah, uh, he doesn't need help. He just needs a kick in the rear. That'll straighten exactly. him out. Yeah, like your son's strung out on fucking cocaine and heroin. He just needs a kick in the ass, Sue. Just just one swift kick in the ass, and I'll straighten him out. Yeah, that'll that'll fix him immediately. And they end up. It is funny though. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was only going to talk about uh, like w- during one of the times or, during where we're at right now. They're at school, and you meet the secondary female character, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I brought this up whenever I was watching the documentary with Courtney. I was like, it's so crazy because like she has absolutely no um, development. You see her, she literally pops in the scene like, hey, what's up, everybody? And it's like, okay, we've seen her a couple times. We know that she's part of the, you know, she's Lisa's friend. And then it's like, so Lisa, you still having a big party at your house? Awesome. 
take it easy, everybody. And then she's out. She let us know that she is still part of that friend group. And then she let us know there's about to be a big party. And then it's done. She's out. It's so funny, man. Oh, I mean, in most movies, that they would set her up to be a victim. Nice ass. Because she, she, earlier she had commented to Lisa whenever they were, uh, whenever he got pantsed. Yeah. And she we, said something about his ass. Well, she'd asked Lisa if uh, they had had sex yet either. Yeah. Yeah. And when did we, um, I'm trying to remember, and I just watched this, and I hate it when you like forget which order things happen in. You get the um, them in the locker room, right? And you can see their friendship developing. And Jesse's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that was a total bogus call that they made on you. And then he said something about yeah. like the coach having to stick up his ass or some shit like that. And the coach does that thing where he walks up right at the right time as these fuckers are doing yeah, laps exactly. and push-ups again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I thought Josh was going to have something to say there, but I guess not. He just yeah, looked like there. he was about to say something. But he did. I was, I was waiting. Long, I was going to say all of the silence would last. I'm sorry. But okay, so so then Lisa tells Jesse, uh, "I want to show you something." All right, and Jesse's driving. Lisa is the uh, the backseat driver. Just so happens sitting up front, and she tells him to bear left over here. Yeah. Who, bear who the fuck talks like yeah. this? I thought about then, that too. And then she pulls up to like a, a you know a, a a rundown plant, and Jesse yeah. acts like he's never seen that. He's like, "Wow!" It's like, "Yeah, bro, it's just a fucking <laughs> abandoned like." Yeah, it's just a random factory, bud. Yeah, yeah. It's like. Wow, He's never, you don't know how the world in America works, right? <laughs> you've never seen a factory <laughs> on TV. You've never seen a factory on TV. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to spaceship, dude. Jesse lived Southern a sheltered life. So I think we're finally at the part where we, we get a kill, right? Uh, <clears> after yeah, the factory, because right. he ends yeah. up uh, going out, and he, uh, he he's. It's night again. He's sleeping. He just wakes the fuck up and goes to the local gay bar where it had been mentioned that the coach frequents. And so he goes in there and he orders a beer. Robert Shea doesn't bother to card him at all. He just fucking nods at him. Well, this is 85. Um, if he's 18, he can drink. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, 86 was when they passed the 21. I know. Well, he goes in there and he orders a beer, and then the coach fucking comes up on him in his uh, Judas Priest outfit. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying. The coach apparently has fucking authority over him at all hours because they go back to the school, and he's making them fucking run fucking, laps in the gym. Yeah. 2 a.m. laps. Okay. Let's hang on. Let's just – there's a couple of things I want to say about this bar. Uh, Everybody should watch this scene because they have some of, like – just the craziest cast of characters in this bar. Like you can just yeah. rewind it and watch everybody be like, what? What is going I mean, because they're just, they're dressed like they're from another planet. And I'm not even talking about like yeah. being into s and i I'm just talking about like, this is like excess 80s plus like, did you see the Hank Williams Jr. at the bar? Mm-mm. Yeah, uh-huh. dude wearing the Hank Williams Jr. hat, big burly bearded. And then when he orders the beer, I love, I mean, 
everybody says it. I love how you can just order beer at a bar. Like nobody's ordered a beer at a bar. Yeah. You know, you know what kind you're. So Robert Shea gives him a beer and he gives him a rocks glass. I know. I saw that too. The beer in. Yeah. It's like a dirty fucking glass. And he gives it a little slide too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's Robert Shea being like, I'm an actor. Yeah. Watch this. Yeah. But yeah, like Damon said, coach got him running 2 a.m. laps in a fucking gym. And then he finally you know, tells him to hit the shower you know, while Jesse's taking his shower, which he seems to be fucking enjoying, by the way. Yeah. Like he's into this shower. It's not like a quick, let me fucking rinse off and get away from this asshole and get back to my house. Yeah. <laughs> he's fucking taking a relaxing So I can go shower. back to Dom's place and finish my beer. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking unwinding, letting the water wash over him. And the, the coach starts... He's in his fucking office and shit starts happening. First, he hears a noise and he's looking around and then he sees the fucking strings on his tennis racket start popping off, right? Yeah. And they're getting snipped or something. Yeah. And then stuff starts coming off the shelves and then the balls start coming off the shelf and they start hitting them. But this whole time that all this is happening, this coach looks calm as fuck. Like these things that can't be explained are happening and you're just like, hmm. Something may be amiss here. And just like doesn't fucking phase him. And so you got fucking basketballs coming at him. You got tennis balls coming at him. He gets hit in the head, I know, at least one time. Yeah. And then uh, he's not freaking out about any of them. He's just dodging. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm a PE coach. I can fucking dodge this shit. He's like, we play dodgeball. I know what's going on. Yeah. I can play dodge baseball and dodge baseball bat. And the whole time he's being calm about these balls and shit, you know, finally the uh, jump ropes come out and they fucking bind him. And they take <laughs> now him we in. got problems. Yeah. And he's still not really going crazy until he starts getting drug away. And he's like, no, no. And yeah. then he gets, he gets attached to the fucking shower. And you're like, oh, man, there's about to be a violent fucking death here. You know, we're about to see something. But first, we got a fucking towel with this dude on his ass cheeks. Yeah. Like, it, it's... It's preposterous. Our first kill, and this is what we're getting. Snap ass. Yeah. I mean, and Jack Shoulder to this day, he's like, he's like, I didn't notice any of these undertones. And it's like, you literally filmed a towel slapping a man's bare ass Multiple twice. Times. Twice. And yeah. you can see the red on his cheeks. Yep. Yeah. And the the funny part of that scene isn't the actual scene of a <clears throat> a towel hovering in air slapping a bear man's ass. It's Getting actually it wrong half the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Snyder's reaction because you can see his butt glitch. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we, were, we were talking about why you stepped away too, like when the shit starts flying off the shelves. That he just doesn't have a reaction at all to that. He's just like, eh, this happens regularly. Tennis racket yeah, starts it, snapping. This is Wednesday nights. Every yeah. every time I come back from lose, <laughs> balls are coming you know. at my face. But uh, dude, and then when Freddie shows up, and you don't see it, you know, afterwards you're led to believe it is Jesse because it shows Jesse with the glove on. But Freddie slashes him in the back twice, and. That shouldn't have been enough to kill him. Not instantly. 
Maybe no, he, he does die instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he bleeds out, but the way he was cut, it should have took some time. But you don't, I guess, think about those things when you're you got towels slapping ass cheeks. No. No time for that. Bigger fish to fry. Yeah. And then yeah, then it cuts back and you see his Jesse with the glove on. And so of course he thinks and, and Jesse's covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And you know, he thinks he's killed this guy. And then we cut to his house. And the cop, you know, they're knocking at ringing the doorbell, knocking at the door, whatever. And his dad and mom go down there, and the cops are like, "Yeah, we found your son, you know, walking the streets naked." He must have at least took the time to have another shower to get that blood off. Oh yeah, for sure. It's not like it was raining outside. And then his dad's like, "I got two <laughs> questions, and we can all go to bed. What are you taking, and who are you getting it from?" It's like his dad wants drugs now. Yeah, yeah it's like, who are you it's getting like, it from, and how much does it cost for? Him? He's like, <laughs> "I'm not his drugs, number? dad." <laughs> yeah, and like he acts offended about being asked that question, but like, dude, you just picked up butt ass naked on the side of the road by cops. Something's happened. Yeah, people died, like- dad. <laughs> I am a high school student. People died. Going down, Dad. <laughs> Would be funny if it turned into that. But yeah, and then like, okay, the next day, this is when we're gearing up for the big pool party. We're gonna have some hamburgers. We're gonna have Benny Goodman, and nobody's gonna be swimming. And if you jump on the diving board, the dad's gonna be like, "Hey, knock it off!" Yeah, right. The yeah, diving yeah, right. board is for aesthetic purposes. It keeps the water in the pool. But no, it's so... That, that, that David Barnes for family event. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at lunch. And this is, to me, where we realize who the biggest villain in this movie really is. First off, Grady doesn't have table manners or etiquette. Yeah. Grady um, has three things of milk. Yeah. Yeah. Three. But they ask Grady if he's going to the big pool party, the big Benny Goodman bash. Yeah. And he says he's grounded. And they're like, what'd you do? He says he threw his grandmother down a flight of stairs. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, Grady, you're lucky you ain't in jail, you fucking monster. Yeah, no, right. Hold on. We don't know what fucking Granny did, man. She might have had that coming. No, I, I get that. No, I'm not saying. She probably smoked his last cigarette. She she might have fucking towel whipped him when he was getting out of the shower. His ass cheeks. I'm not trying to absolve Granny of her of what she did. I'm just saying, like. But before that, he's asking he's asking Jesse, "You want to go see a movie and grab a pizza?" It's like, yeah, so what no. are you grounded? What what are the parameters of this grounding? It's, oh, just grounded from rich girls' parties, right? <laughs> And, and then you bring up the Benny Goodman, and that's alluded to too, because the uh, the female friend is like, "Is your dad going to be the DJ again?" And she's like, "No, mom's going to take care of that." But apparently, not soon enough, because when you get to the party, he's fucking DJing, minding the grill, and it's it reminds like, it reminds yeah, me that episode of um, he's feeling young again. Well, we've all watched King of the Hill. You remember the time the episode where Connie had to sleep over? Yeah, and uh, Con had a list of rules. That's what it fucking reminds me of. He's like, this is not a dance all night over. <laughs> well, if you're the parents and you're like my 17-year-old daughter, have a pool party and invite 
200 white kids. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, it's, and, and bring a 12-pack of beer. And Yeah. But it's like... Make it two. You're allowing them to have this party. Why would you play... Because the music's having this, like... Obviously, they couldn't afford Benny Goodman. You know, this yeah. old-timey music. It's like, what kind of parent would do that? It's just weird. Yeah. And so you, you know, the cool he's let them have a party at the house, or you let them play their shit. Don't he's, ruin them. He's all about these rules and stuff, and uh, you know, no jumping, no diving, no being in the pool, whatever. But he didn't bother to check these fucking coolers that yeah. are very clearly right fucking there. Yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, whenever they open them, they're overflowing. <laughs> and it's not even a cooler; it's a radio flyer. Wagon. It's a fucking wagon. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, they're not even trying to hide it. No, he doesn't notice just, all that. Yeah, it was just behind a bush. But you can tell, you can tell that Lisa's family's got money because they got a pool house. Yeah. It's yeah. It's always been my dream to live in a pool house. I could tell you're poor because you called it a pool house. It's called a cabana when you're rich. Yeah. It's called the cabana. <laughs> if I ever if not, when I when I finally win this Powerball or Mega Millions, I'm gonna buy a big house with a nice pool and a cabana. And I'm going to live in a cabana. The house is just I'm just going to buy a cabana. Yeah. People are like, that's a small house. I'm like, it's a cabana, motherfucker. I'm just going to stay the at Paul's mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I could afford the pool of a cabana. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't, a, isn't a cabana supposed to be attached to the property of the house? No, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I got this cabana off eBay. But you, yeah, and you're at the party, and you have Lisa and Jesse, and they're having their conversation, and he's talking about losing control, and this is a he. She's she comforts him when they start making out, and like you get a handsy fucking make out session. Oh yeah, because Jesse got both hands on both titties, mm-hmm. and they're fucking going at it. And then Freddie's tongue comes out really long and everything, and he leaves. And you can tell she's like, when he runs off, she thinks it's her. She kind of has that like look on her face and does that little crying thing, like you know, what did I do or what's wrong with me? And Jesse runs to Grady's house and fucking climbs in through his window, and, you know. And, and Grady is like, "You got a hot girl, but you come here to sleep with me." Yeah, yeah. It's like some, something's trying to get inside my body. And it's like, yeah. And it's her name's Lisa. So, and you're ever getting in bed with me or whatever he said. Yeah, but he has a, it's, it's almost like a, um, a Nancy Glenn moment where he's like, I need you to watch me and don't fall asleep. Yeah. And like, as soon as Jesse's fucking out, Grady's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to bed. And now, it's soon. Hold on now. now. Cause it seems like Jesse, like, was, uh, not Jesse, Grady. It seemed like Grady was like watching shit and kicking it. And then he kind of looked over and it seemed like a little bit of time had passed. And he was yeah. like, you know what? We made sure he was good Fuck and asleep. Yeah. 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 And he was like, okay, no, nah, he's sleeping. He's bullshit. And he's just tripping. But you are, it's the way that that scene happens. It makes it feel like some time had passed. But um, you're right. It had to have been immediately because they're at the party making out. He goes over there immediately, falls asleep. And then now Freddie is back in action and killing everybody at the fucking pool party. Well, first he has, he takes out Grady. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah. Well, before what I'm what I'm saying is that the time frame for he, he didn't go to the Grady's house to sleep for five hours. You know, it had which, to have been which quick, way you know? does Grady's door open? Because nobody can fucking manage that door. Because he's screaming for his dad. His dad and his mom come up to the door. He's yeah. trying to open the door. It won't open. His dad's trying to open the door. It won't open. Now, the dad from Ferris Bueller. I might yep. add. Yeah. Like I feel like this might be like a maybe it's a sliding door and we just didn't know or something. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone forgot how the goddamn door worked. Yeah. And then But yeah, and then we get his kill. Which the yeah. actor was disappointed about. Or you remember that in the fucking uh documentary? And one thing I don't know if y'all um y'all paid attention to it, but when Freddie's in control and he's taken over, he doesn't have the glove. No. He, he has the knives yeah. coming out of his fingertips. Which I like. Yeah. I like that. And I, and this is gonna Maybe it sounds kind of minute, but like when you see the close up of it and like right there at the tips of the finger where it comes together, you can see like where it still kind of protrudes through the top of his fingers and you can see the skin stretched over it, over the blade. That little yeah, bitty cool. effect to me, I like that too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And this transformation scene, I mean, it looks, it, it looks really good. I mean, obviously like you see like the, uh, the dummy of Mark Patton, Jesse's character or Jesse, the character, Jesse. Yeah. But like the, uh, when the arm is sort of, when he looks at his arm and it sort of breaks apart and you see like the, um, the sweater underneath, mm-hmm. it yeah. looks really good. I mean, and then the eyeball, I mean, that shit. You know, the, what, what I thought about when that happened is, um, it should have left a, a pile of Jesse's body. Because yeah. he climbs out. Like at first it looks like he's just breaking out like his arms taking over his arm. But then he crawls out of like a his chest. Yeah. And comes out a, and like yeah. and throws it's like a Jesse suit almost and it goes to the ground. Yeah. And it is funny, man, because like you said, Josh, this shit looks good. Like there obviously there's some that whenever he finally takes that final step through the chest, that's the dummy there looks a little, it didn't age as well. But everything leading up to, that shit looked really mm. good still. And uh, you had brought up the sleeve under the meat of the arm. That was always the freakiest part of that whole deal to me. The eye and the throat, that was whatever. And then him coming out, even the pushing through the chest where you see the shape of Freddy's yeah. face through the skin. That that fucking the sweat. I don't know if it's because it was a sweater under the skin, but it was so fucking wild and and scary to me. Uh, whenever I was younger, watching it, you know. Yeah, there's there's something you know that will be inherently gross for most people about skin breaking apart like that, you know. Yeah, so, and poor Grady's just got to watch it. Yeah, uh, and Grady gets killed. Now we know. Jesse was that great. So at some point, somebody has to answer for these crimes, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but Jesse has to go to jail, right? Yeah. This has got to end with him going to prison. Yeah. Like there's no, no other way, man. Like, cause he's the only thing that's linked to all these things. Well, he confessed it to Lisa. Yeah. 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 He tells Lisa that, but Lisa knows about Freddie and sees that in the movie, but yeah, but like nobody's going to believe in the boogeyman killing these people. Like if you're normal fucking society, so Jesse's yeah, going exactly. down. 
Oh, for sure. He's got people died. Fucking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, yeah, he's he's definitely going to be going down for it because, like you were just saying, he tells Lisa. He goes and he tells her, "Man, hey, look, this is just happening." I yeah, he breaks out you. and he uh, left. Yeah, he runs away from uh, Grady's house and goes yeah. back to the pool to get the scene that you've been wanting to talk about. Me? Like, yeah, you tried to talk about this pool scene twice already, and we keep cutting you off. So now here we are. We're at the pool. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even realize. I don't even really like the pool scene. No, I was hoping we'd skip it. <laughs> it is funny though because he he gets there, and he's like, you know, this time he is covered in blood. Yeah, it's a shame mm-hmm. Grady didn't have a shower in his room. Yeah, right. Um, but he's like, I ki- I killed him. I killed you know Grady. He's telling this to Lisa, uh, and then it starts happening again. Okay, and then so, um. The door locks on the parents who, I don't know, they, did the parents fuck or not? They smoked the joint and fucked. They had to. Yeah, they had to. It's It definitely seems like they yeah. did the way they were like. Yeah, they were like kind of real frisky and yeah, know, I guess they had had a couple drinks in them, you know. So yeah. Yeah. They, they were getting ready to get down. So, and, and then like, uh. What is it that starts happening? Like uh, the fish tank starts to boil and it explodes. The TV explodes. Yes. And then Lisa's freaking out. And then Jesse's behind this counter and she's like, Jesse. And then you see Freddie come up. Yeah. Now this is what's kind of funny because, you know, because you could take just this one little scene out and it's, it's so fucking comical. Like he's sort of chasing Jesse around and he, at one point he grabs her leg and he bites her and then she gets up. And and at this time people are trying to get inside the house and people that were at the yeah, party. Cause there's shit happening Fred- outside too. Yeah. And Freddie just looks over and there's like a living room with like those little small shelves and he just knocks down some like heirlooms, <laughs> like a like a kid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is so like funny. a rich ass trinket. <laughs> like Freddie just knocking down like glass ornaments and plates. <laughs> Did, the stuff that was happening outside wasn't it? The hot dogs blowing up. Yeah, they start exploding, and yeah, then the, the beer starts start popping. Exploding. Yeah. Well, the the beer, you know, you can you can always just run up and like fucking open your mouth and just catch it, you know. <laughs> they should have had that. that. That seems like that'd have been a more natural reaction. Like the hot dogs, whatever, but the beer is like. I'm, Let me I drink mean, this. It had to have been like. I mean, the script is so kind of bananas. Like, why not put that in there? Yeah. Like, just yeah. Like one but, random kid trying to save the beer with his mouth by drinking it. Like yeah. three kids. Yeah. But bef- let me let me just go ahead and set, set the stage because this is another one of those instances. Because me and you, Bone, I don't know about Daniel. We watch these movies with subtitles on. Yeah. And so right after all this happens, Freddie jumps through the glass and disappears. 
So for about 10 seconds in the movie, everybody, the party goers were trying to figure out what's going on. And so there were like four or five guys that were trying to get in the house when Lisa was in trouble. And one of the guys near the pool, he goes, Hey, is everyone okay? And one of the guys responds with search me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Search me. Yeah. What the fuck? Who? I'm, it's like you've said a couple times, who the hell talks like that? What teenager talks like, talks like that? Yeah. And who's ever yeah. said that? Well, not even a teenager. Just who has ever said that? Search me. Is everybody okay? Search me. What the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, it's just weird. It's so weird. It is an odd saying. I've heard it a couple times like in movies where it's like, oh, not yeah? me. I don't know. Search I've me. I've never heard that. I neither. I've never. But yeah, it's, I've never heard no fucking little small like teenager child fucking say it. That wouldn't be cool enough. Mm-hmm. Are you mounting her nightly yet? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. How many people is Freddy kill at the uh, pool party, Daniel? Uh, you said two, right? A snack. Well, actually, no. Actually, no. He didn't kill the person. that They, they just got trampled. And he kills one person. He, he uh, kills one person, but then the other person that he gets into it with he just throws over something yeah yeah he just throws them throws them into the grill right or over it or something but he yeah yeah, you can't count that as a death right you can can assume that they've died this is 85 it's not like nowadays where you have to see the body to know that they've dead that they've died didn't he slash somebody trying to climb the wall i thought he slashed somebody too he might i know people burn their hands on the fence that's not a death well, I'm talking about the things, the crazy things that happened. You know, oh, I just want to make sure you wouldn't count it as a death like you did this uh, little grill toss when you were like, you don't got to see the body. Oh, yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> well, he does tell that guy to help himself, fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> help yourself, fucker. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to, at this point, I'm trying to keep track of like how many people died. We know that the, um, the coach died. Grady's dead. He killed one person for sure at the pool party. He threw another one. And you said he slashed another one trying to climb. And one person got their neck snapped and getting trampled. He didn't do that. That doesn't count. That was incidental. It's a death for the movie, though. Can we talk about the scene to where the dad finally gets the door open, runs up, goes to a shotgun uh, cabinet, gets a shotgun out. Now, he comes out with a shotgun. Oh, no, hold on. He didn't just get that shotgun out. He had to break that cabinet open. He did. He didn't have time to find the key. So he gets or the turn shotgun. the handle. Yeah, or turn the handle. We know that that cabinet wasn't locked. Josh, come on. <laughs> and so Freddie, facing the kids, the dad's on the opposite side of Freddie. <laughs> he just shoots wildly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could, it's like, he's lucky he just hit like a fucking can yeah. instead of one of those kids like fucking face off <laughs> yeah shooting at an imaginary thing yeah oh, oh man but yeah that was the uh what is it you're all my children now quote yeah with the yeah. flame behind him yeah yeah that was it, because he throws the guy. That's the other thing. The grill, he throws that guy into that grill so it knocks the fucker off of the flame tube that they have coming out of the concrete of their goddamn 
um, pool area. I was like, holy shit, I don't think that's how that works, man. (laughs) (laughs) Flames from hell coming out of your fucking deck. It's got to be connected to that diving board, though. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes sense. Why you (laughs) jump jump on the diving board. Yeah. It controls the grill. Yeah. (laughs) Man, like it pumps gas every time you bounce on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Burning the hot dogs over here. Stop fucking jumping. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, well, Freddie runs off, though. He he leaves. Yeah, because Jesse kind of, you know, well, stops Lisa's like killing Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, you know, you get a shot of Freddie, like, through the fire. And it, you know, shoulder doesn't do a lot in this movie that, you know, you want to throw roses at his feet. But that... That was a pretty good shot, though. It, Freddy looked pretty freaky, pretty scary. Yeah. And naturally, but, he, he runs back to his place of employment. Yeah. Exactly. After walking through a fence, a fire hole fence. It's so funny because that's the one thing is, you know, that's why you have to look at these movies just obviously open-minded because you would like to think that it's a possession thing where he, now he's come out. Well, once he's out, there's no more magic. There's no more nothing. He's just here with a fucking razor glove and he's killing the fuck out of people. That's how it should be. But you still have all this supernatural shit happening. Like everyone's in a dream, which goes to what I've said before, you know, like talking about these movies is this has got to be Jesse's nightmare. Just like the first, um, nightmare on Elm street is Nancy's nightmare. You know, like the this main character, what they're going through from the very beginning, this is just their nightmare. Yeah. All the crazy shit that happened, yeah, they had nightmares within their nightmare, but the whole thing we just watched is that person's nightmare. Well, they, you which can, is yeah. even more true in this. You can tell they haven't like established rules, so to speak. Like yeah. they've only they're two movies in and now they're doing a movie where Freddie's working towards getting a physical form back in the real world. And keeping his superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that was one of Craven's problems. It was like he set up some rules in the first one. And they completely broke them in the second one. Yeah, but I mean <clears throat> once again, like we're two movies into to it. And yeah. if if they if they try to follow the rules that were set up, you know, what happens in, you know, what kind of movie do you get? I get it. I mean, I get, I get like being like, ah, oh, man, you went against, you know, what I set up, but he also didn't have any intentions of making a sequel. So, yeah. And I don't, I don't know how him and Robert Shea left their friendship at the end of the first one, but yeah, I get Craven having a problem. And calling the script substandard is it's fair. And I get Craven having a problem with what this movie did. But if Craven had a problem with what this movie did, then he probably should never watch Dream Child and Freddy's Dead then. Because yeah. it just becomes Looney Tunes at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. But did they say, too, like, because when Lisa was talking to Jesse, how many kids did she say he killed? 20? Yeah, 20 exactly again. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he, he took 20 people out there. Like, it's hard to believe that Freddie took 20 different children to this fucking factory that I'm assuming had to be in operation at that point because he's an employee and nobody ever fucking noticed. Yeah, exactly. He'd have had to done it um on a Sunday night. And it just had a whole busload of kids. There's a uh you could find it on YouTube and I, I can't think of the name of it. Um but somebody made a uh, a fan film of at, right after Freddy Krueger got caught by the cops. Yeah. And it's an interrogation scene. And look, the actor who's playing Freddy Krueger, he does an admirable job. Um, you know, obviously they, I don't even know what year uh, Cannon was when Fred Krueger got killed. But yeah, the, the entire fan-made movie takes place in this interrogation room. And at the very end, like he, he, he confesses to everything and that he asks for a cigarette and matches and they're doing the interrogation on those old school tape recorders, you mm-hmm. know, that the two circles and, uh, he confesses to everything and the cops like, you know, he's asking him why he did it and all this. And, uh, the cop leaves the room after the investigation and Freddie just, um, takes the match and then just burns the confession tape. So it's kind of, mm. but I mean, it's, it's worth checking out because it is, it's made with love. And I'm not yeah. saying that, like, uh, for, ironically, uh, you know, buy a fan for fans. Yeah. Yeah. So at least it's it gets cool. The, it is, it is. Yeah. And yeah, check it out for free on YouTube. But Lisa finally gets to the factory of sadness, you know? <laughs> yeah. She was like, that must be where he went. Yeah. And, and the worst thing about this movie happens right when she gets there. The, the absolute, oh, yeah. The dogs. It makes the no dogs. sense. Yeah. Makes well, no the only sense. thing I can think of is that, because we're watching it in high definition, and the only thing I can think of is that back in the day, in standard definition, it didn't look that bad. You mean on an eight inch TV? Yeah. Maybe. Remember when 32-inch TV was a big TV? Yeah, I know, right? And now 32-inch TV is like a little TV? People are like, That's oh, the you TV. got some 32-inch TV? <laughs> I yeah. got that in my cabana, bro. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I've, um, I had a somebody one time told me they had like TVs in every room in their house, and they were in there buying a new TV. And I'm like, well, where are you putting this one? And he's kind of joking around, like, in the bathroom? I'm like, yep, it's going on in the bathroom wall. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and we sat there and it's like, I was like, well, you spend that much time in the bathroom that you need a TV? And they're like, I, you know, we just want to be able to watch the news while we're uh, getting ready. I'm like, okay. And they got like a little 19 inch TV to put on the wall. Yeah, Bone was trying his damnedest to not get that sale. He was like, this is a mistake. You should read a newspaper. <laughs> it's like, how much TV do you need? You kind of do need to question somebody having a TV in their bathroom. Is, I listened to uh, dude was like, dude, I take lots, lots 
of shits. I'm in there for an entire episode of you know Grey's Anatomy. But, but you so remember I've like got to have a TV in there. Like now, 19 inch TV's tiny, but man, for a lot of people, you know, when it was a you know four by three aspect ratio, that was like a standard size. Yeah, mm-hmm. people, like 19 inches would be what you fucking had in your living room. And some, you know, if you're like us, you know, and didn't have a lot of money. And then, yeah. and then, God, man, like if you had like a 32 inch or something, you'd end up being one of those floor models. They had the wood casing. Mm-hmm. That's what my grandparents oh, had. Yeah. Yeah. It weighed like 500 fucking pounds. It takes like 18 people to move it five yeah. inches across oh, yeah. the floor. I'm talking about whenever it was time to move a TV. It's so funny how that's got to be crazy for the younger generation. You can lift a TV and put it under your arm, but then it would, took two people. And if it was a big one, it's like, look, dude, as soon as you need a break, we'll put it down. Do not yeah. drop this fucking TV. You know? Not, TVs were so heavy back in the day that when you bought a new TV, you just put it on top of the old TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny you say that because when, um, when my grandparents had got their new place and they moved out, they left that old TV. And me and my dad used it until it quit working. But then when it quit working, he got another little TV and just put it on top of it. Yeah. That's what people did, man. Uses a fucking nightstand, a table, a dinner table, whatever. Where's my wallet? It's on the TV. Yeah. Right. You don't hear that anymore. No. I know, right? But yeah, man, like nowadays, though, it's like, you know, if you got. Like, 55-inch TV feels like a small TV. Yeah, really? Now, 55 seems like your average size TV, right? Where you have 80 inches or the big ones, 100 inches are the big ones, and then, you know, whatever. But it really does seem like average size for, like, a living room would be a 55-inch TV. Yep. So, like I said, maybe the dogs didn't look that bad back in the day. On you know a little standard definition nineteen inch TV, but you're right. They now when you look at it, they look bad. Oh, it's it's pretty like, horrible. You should somebody should recut this movie and just take that out. Yep. And maybe the rat. That's, the rat scene you too. took the word out of my mouth. I was just about to say the demon rat didn't look that great either. Mm-mm. And it was just why you know really? there's no point in either of them. No, yeah. uh-huh. the dogs serve no they purpose. Like Grady. It's not like they look like Grady or fucking Snyder. They just look like two baby faces on goddamn Rottweilers. And if, you, if, if you're it was strange. Yeah, if you're wanting to do something to the factory, man, just have fire. You've already set this entire goddamn movie is 97 degrees. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody has swamp ass. Just have fire in the factory, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the dogs and the rat seem out of place. And then you, um, you have this showdown. But there's no fighting. It's not like a uh, a traditional like horror movie showdown. It's just it's Jesse talking, not Jesse, uh, um, Lisa talking to Freddie, and she defeats Freddie with the power of love. Yep, true <laughs> love's kiss. And if there was any scene to bring home the fact of the sexual undertones and and uh jesse fighting you know um who his true self is the gay self then this ending just puts the nail on the coffin 
Yeah. You know, because she's like, I love you. And that defeats Freddie. It's just, it, you watch it now. And if you, and if you know the history of this movie, I mean, it's, 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 I, it's so goddamn blatant that it, it's hard for me to just even think that Jack Shoulder had no idea what, what he was doing, you know? And obviously like, um, I'm sure we'll get to it in a minute, but how this sort of affected, uh, Mark Patton's career and his life afterwards. But yeah. Yeah. I, uh, he, did you see like, um, while we were getting ready for this and, you know, when I was doing this on my own, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, it says here that you can briefly see Jesse in flashbacks during Freddy's introduction on J- Freddy versus Jason. I want to go back and oh. I haven't watched that in forever. That's curious. It's probably going to be the fucking him coming out of his body fucking scene. You know? Maybe. But they, they did books. They, like, obviously, in 1991, they had a novelization of, uh, I think it was 91, of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. But they also did like a, I think they said something where it was like a journal entry. But one of the endings, they had changed the ending of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 in literature to where Jesse kills Lisa. No. Better movie. Yeah, the journal entries uh, says um, there's a different conclusion in that Jesse supposedly kills Lisa Weber at the power plant rather than the film's final bus sequence. Although it does say that she's later revealed to have survived, the remaining 38 journal entries focus on Jesse's time in a psychiatric ward, his sentencing for the murdering of Ron Grady, and the apparent disappearance of Lisa's corpse. His escape from the institution and his efforts to build a new identity. Jesse still wrestles with Freddy Krueger in his mind and enters into a panic. I kind of want to read that. Yeah. And so well, he, he enters into a panic when Hollywood begins making a Nightmare on Elm Street films based on Jesse and Nancy Thompson's journal entries. So that does sound kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. that is inter- interesting. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Josh. You were <clears throat> talking about uh, the uh, the power of love saving the day. Hell, I don't. I don't lost it. Whatever well, you were saying that you know, this what uh you know made it so obvious what the intent of the movie was. Mm, yeah, and um, yeah, I don't have it. I mean, keep going. But she tells him that she loves him, and then they they end up kissing, don't they? Because Freddie and Lisa kiss. Yeah, she is not, kissing Freddie, and then she kind of like recoils I'm away from him and like cries, scared, and then that's whenever it kind of overtakes, and then. He starts to melt. Mm, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good yeah. effect. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks good. And then, and then Jesse emerges. Yeah, Jesse emerges, and nightmare is over. And <laughs> Lisa was the stand-in for gay conversion therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right wing right? Bible thumping nuts, dude. I mean that is that is, that's true. I mean, hey, don't uh, gay don't the gay community love Meryl Streep? What? I, I thought they did. I thought they did. Or maybe I don't know. I'm Glenn Close. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but we've we've went this entire podcast without mentioning Lisa looks like Meryl Streep. Oh, uh, was we was that something we wanted to do? 
I don't know, but she, like, no, no, no. I'm just saying how far uh, we've gone without mentioning that. She looks yeah. like a young Meryl Streep. Yeah, for, even whenever you're watching her on the a documentary and, you know, it's been 20 years, she looks like Meryl yeah. Streep at that age. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. So, after um, Freddie melts away, we get during the bus ride again. Yeah, and we get another scene with, uh, what, I think her name's Chris. Carrie. Carrie. That was it, Carrie. And it ends up like it's the same scene playing out again, but then they're like, oh, you know, Jesse, calm the fuck down. And Carrie says it's all over. Yeah, it's like, it's going Freddy's so fast. Claw burst through her chest. Yeah. Was Carrie, Carrie wasn't involved in any of it. Nothing. No. So how she, she was worried about what the was pool over? party and wasn't even fucking there, was she? She was. She yeah. was there. Because so the guy was like, it. "Yeah, the guy was yeah. like, hey, come in back into the pool." And yeah. she's like, "Not now." <laughs> and he just sadly, the saddest waddle in water ever. <laughs> He's just, yeah, so crazy. I don't even remember her being at that fucking yeah. pool party. She was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then we get like a. Uh, a Bing Crosby song, which I really like at the end of it. I kind of like, you know, when Halloween 2 does Mr. Sandman. Yeah. And yeah. I like these old, because there's there's something very haunting about those old doo-wop songs or whatever. Um, But so you would want to talk about Mark Patton's career, what happened afterwards, right? Yeah, like <clears throat> uh, the sort of like ruined his career. And before we got on, like I was talking about uh, watching his documentary about how this affected his life. And it, and it's, it's really sad because like he talks about like, um, you know, this is 85, like, um, peak AIDS pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, he, he talks about losing his longtime boyfriend to AIDS, who is also an actor. And it's just really heartbreaking. And, and it's sort of, you know, um, because this movie sort of outed him as well because yeah. he was a, he's a gay actor. And I just want to say it, it's kind of kismet that we're talking about this right now. Um, uh, I read this today, you know, um, that there is a GoFundMe set up for Mark Patton who's needing help right now. He lives in Mexico and he's sort of, um, he was recently hospitalized for AIDS related ailments and he's currently too sick to travel and he's struggling to pay his bills. And from what I read, like he's in a Mexican hospital right now and they're over, over capacity with COVID patients. And he's trying to get to America to, to get the proper treatment he needs for, He's going for what he's going through. So I don't know, maybe on one of our social media, we could post because he's got a GoFundMe set up to help him get out of this Mexican hospital and um, get treated in the States. Uh, So if anybody's wanting to help out Mark Patton, do something good. uh, Maybe we can have a link. I don't know when this episode will be up. Hell, might be too little too late, but yeah, he's sort of suffering with that now. But, um, uh, 
Yeah, it's just, it's just this whole movie. This 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 movie does not connect. You know, obviously outside of the uh, the house, like it's such an odd little movie in this franchise, and it's and it's an odd little movie compared to all these other movies that we're talking about, like in this franchise. It's just it's it's an interesting watch because there's so much to unpack with this movie, and yeah. It is funny because we've talked about it. No, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. We've talked about it before. It's like, why the house? You know, like, you yeah. know, yeah. they always not- link things and they link this house. It's like, just because Nancy lived there and the, okay, they had hid his glove there. Yeah. You know, so now it's like his spirit is going to be attached to this house on top of the factory. They're treating you know, it like or, it's the Myers house. Yeah, exactly. So it is, it is kind of funny. It's like they just kind of glommed onto that instead of, you know, whatever, but it's, I'm, it's, I'm surprised that they didn't make a link that that was Freddie's house. That was his childhood house. I'm so surprised that they never made that link. That was the house he grew up in, but they moved out 30 years ago. And that's why he went after Nancy. Cause she lived there now. They, know. they do treat it like the Amityville house, you know? And yeah. you know, if you see the Amityville house, it's very unique looking. Obviously the house looks like it has eyes. Yeah. Top um, windows, and this house is pretty unique looking. So I'm, I guess it's it was easy, to, for lack of a better term, it was just easy for them to be like, we'll just have this be the base of operations. Yeah, we'll say that he moved into Nancy's house. Yeah, I was gonna say it's almost like they just needed like a location to be like a central location that you can mm-hmm. keep time back to. Well, Jason has Camp Crystal Lake. The Myers house, the Sawyers or the Hewitts. I don't know. We'll get there, but you know, they have their house. You always yeah. need them to have like sort of a, a an entry point, I guess, yeah. for the dumb fans. Yep. Yeah. Well, what'd you think about the movie? Because <clears throat> I feel like. You know- I feel like if you if you sat here and you listened to us, maybe you you got this idea about which way we're going to go in our reviews, and and me and you've already talked about it, and so I got a feeling I know which way you're going to go. But I feel like maybe we sound like we might have been harder on this movie than what we intended to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can have fun with this movie watching it, and you can have fun making fun of this movie, but I was trying to come up with an, like an analogy for this movie. And it's like, and the best I could do, and I'm not a smart guy. Somebody could come up with a better analogy. This movie's like a, a watercolor painting, uh, to where, um, when you paint with watercolors, they're like, well, it could be just a happy accident. sort of like the Bob Ross thing or a beautiful mistake. Yeah. And I, and, and I see the two, painters in this is Jack Shoulder and David Chaskin. And they're not really good at what they do, honestly. Uh, so the painting they made, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's not really beautiful, but what this watercolor painting does is beautiful because there is, you know, you can view this movie as a possession movie. Hell, there are times in this movie, it's like a haunted house which I really wish they would 
explore in future Nightmare on Elm Streets. Or you can see this movie as a young man coming to terms with his sexuality. And then the fourth thing is a Freddy movie, which it tends to be the least of, honestly. Because they yeah. never talk about his lore, his history. No. Um, and none of those are executed that well. But it is an odd movie. And the dialogue's flat. Shoulder isn't doing anything with the camera to make it interesting. But Freddy is scary here. And that's most important to me. Uh, He's not a chuckle fuck. Uh, And, you know, especially knowing where this franchise goes. I mean, this is one of the more solid entry points. And and me personally, I view it as a possession movie and a young man coming to terms with his sexuality. It's kind of melded into these two things melted into one. And for that, you got to applaud it because, you know, 1985, if, you know, if, uh, and, you know, some closeted gay guys watching this in 1988, and if it sort of gives him the courage to come out, you know, I mean, that's a great thing. Uh, I did have it at three and a half stars, but I'm going to have to bear left and go three stars. Because of the things we talked about, the dogs, the dialogue, but MVP, MVP. And this is a big one for me. Kevin Yeager fucking kills it. And Christopher Young, the score to this movie is my favorite of the nightmares. I I prefer his score to Charles Bernstein's OG score, which is, which is odd because you, you normally think like, you know, the, one, two, Freddy's coming after you. But there are some like whale sounds in this score, just some really odd things. And it it adds to the haunted house feeling, which uh, I'm here for. Yeah, three stars. I went on a tirade there. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah, mine's a little bit more simplified. Because <laughs> like you said, all of the things that we have uh, discussed, that's just the funny pick at stuff, you know, that shit does add up and then it'll take away um some some power whenever you're doing your ratings on a movie you know but like you said when you look back at we know what's coming you know we know what the rest of the franchise is going to do so whenever you look at everywhere it's going to be and how silly and insane it is going to get this is a good installment and like you said freddie is actually scary you know he's still you know, you're still kind of excited and, and you have that little fear of what he's about to do, what he's doing, the little bit of shit that he is doing instead of like, like you said, a chuckle fuck, you're going to see him and then you're going to be, what silly thing is he about to do, which we're about to start getting in a couple movies. But like I said, I still like this movie, you know, um, and it's got its separate messages and things like that. And like you said, if, you know, Hey, if that helps somebody in their journey, then Hey, that's what's up. That's a good thing, you know, whatever. But, um, when it comes to the franchise, uh, I landed at three as well. Um, because it does have its problems, but whenever you're comparing it to some of the other shit we're watching, it's, it's still up there. And the thing about it is some trash. Yeah, we see half stars up in here. 
<laughs> I mean, maybe zero. And it is funny, though, because we, we, we keep saying we're comparing it to what's coming yeah. in the future, you know, and it's so easy to do that. And I know I've, I'm repeating myself, but this is such a standalone movie. It's almost like the Halloween three. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. I think um, I try to look at it in relation to how I did the other movies. Um, Daniel's rating. I'm not surprised by I kind of felt like that was probably where he's going to land. I'm kind of surprised about yours. I thought you were going to land a little higher, Josh. Um, so it kind of took me back. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, I'm having a crisis now myself, but, uh, I, I like the movie. I like it a lot. I think, um, this, um, it's, we've had this discussion before as to like, how do you rate the first three? I must, I probably still think it's my least favorite of the three, but it's still, to me, it's a good movie. Um, you know, it takes its time doing what it's going to do. It doesn't rush into anything. It's, you know, it doesn't have a huge body count. It's not just them reeling off, excuse me, reeling off kill after kill and trying to see like what, you know, kind of clown college kill can we have this time? Like you get in some of the later movies, like you said, Freddie's scary. He has a good design um, and all that. I mean, I, I give the movie four stars. Um, it's one you can go back and watch. Um, you can watch it. And I, and I think it's good in the sense that you, you know, it's not bogged down in lore to where you can go and watch it and not have to watch any of the other movies. Yeah. Like you, um, and I'm not saying that like the Friday the 13th movies are like super thought provoking, but if you get into some of those later movies or even some of the uh, early sequels, you just start seeing like, the damage on his mask or things like that. And you're kind of like, Oh, well, what happened here? And you know, or if they don't explain, this, explain his backstory anymore, you know, you kind of, you're wondering, left wondering like, what's this about? And I think this movie here before you get bogged down into the Freddy lore, because that's what the next like three movies become is just, okay, here's Freddy, here's some lore. And then the next movie's like, well, here's some more. And then here's some even more. And now you, you can't watch part five without seeing part four, essentially. Yeah. This one you can watch as a standalone movie, though, and have a good time with it. So, yeah, four stars for me. And then um, MVP probably just be the, the design of Freddy. Like I said, I think that him not wearing the glove in this movie and saving the glove for um, Jesse. So yeah. that's such a nice touch. Yeah. It it is shows, such a nice so touch. you can see when. Freddy's in control as opposed to when Jesse's in control. And then it's like, and I do like the way the, the knives look coming out of the fingertips. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a good effect. But yep, that's I, uh, where I came well, in on that one. Yeah, I will say like the, the problems I had uh, shown uh, more brightly in this viewing. I thought I was going to be a little bit more forgiving when I was watching it. And again, um, with Chaskin in the script, if, if you just cleaned it up a little bit, I mean, I think there's a even better movie in this, in this story that could have been told. I mean, like, like Daniel was saying, it cuts from night to day, night to day. And it just seems like scenes without any sort of through line in them. And, and the dialogue, 
I mean, David Chaskin was writing for like a 57-year-old man, not like a 17-year-old teenager. It's weird. But all of that's baked in. And you know what? I said three stars. Honestly, it's probably more three and a half just because of, um, honestly, just because of the impact. Like this plays at like. Ooh, this this might be the first time that somebody's changed their rating twice in one episode. Started, I mean, I'd re- started at three and a half. You went to three. Now you're at three and a half. Yeah, it's. uh like when I, when I when I wrote down my final thoughts, I, it was originally a three and a half, and then the more we sort of laugh and talk about it, but yeah, three and a half. Fuck it, I'll go three and a half because I know where my rating for Dream Warriors is going to be. Yeah, what's our next movie in this list? It's either Jason Lives or Texas Two. It's Jason Lives. Yeah, Jason lives. Wow, we are. And then we finally get another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's something else that was funny. I was through Friday 13th movies. Oh, we are. And it is funny because something else I was going to say was tidbit that this is the first movie that that was released after my birth. I was like two months old when this movie came out Um, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, I'm finally alive. You're finally alive. Yeah. And what are you doing? Oh, I was five years old. That was correct. That's that's insane, though, because like these movies, once they start pumping them out. Oh, yeah. Like. I mean, Friday the 13th was once a year. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Green light. Go. You know. Yeah. Make it bigger and better. Bloodier and blood. Mm. Bigger and bloodier. Make the titties bigger. <laughs> the kills bloodier. <laughs> Make the titties bloodier and the kills yeah. bigger. All right. Go. All right. Well, do you guys have anything else? Yeah. Uh, well, all right. Everybody no, appreciate Daniel. it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody where to oh. find you. Um, what boat? Yeah. On the boat. Yeah. No, I was going to say uh, hit the showers, dirt packs. <laughs> dirt balls. Dirt balls. That's right. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I fucked it all up. Now you got to run laps. Yeah, I'm about to run laps. I'm gonna wait till two o'clock though. All right. All right. Well, that's it. We appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, thank you. Bye.